G'day and welcome to episode 125 of the Bloke Pod. Another quarter century reached. This one's significantly slower than any of the first four, to be fair to say, but we're here. Yeah. We made it. It's the anti T20. <laughs> yeah. Right, slowing down at the back end. Yeah. Halfway to the quarter of a century. Does that mean anything? Yeah. <laughs> Eighth of the way to a thousand. <laughs> Neither of us are going to be alive for that. <laughs> we'll have to fight the bloke pod, the next generation. <laughs> I think we'd have <laughs> which, to ruin- which would be difficult considering neither of us are going to have kids. So. Yeah. <laughs> That's also very good. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I'm, I'm, I'm just going to jump straight in. Why the fuck did Pat Cummins not enforce the follow on? That's number one. And number two, where is the criticism of this decision? Like, I know he's the golden boy and the chosen one, but there has not been one word said about him not enforcing the follow-on. We nearly quadrupled their score. We were 408 runs in front. RIP Phil Hughes. And nothing, nothing, no follow-on. We batted for like a session. And then, oh, I'm honestly, I think I'm more annoyed... About the lack of scrutiny and criticism that there has been of him not enforcing the follow-on than I am about him not actually enforcing it. I reckon that this is the the symptom of the collaborative approach that they're oh, wanting in the dressing room. Jesus. Is that they all sat around and by the time it was time to make a decision, it was too late. Yeah, the review clock had expired. Yes. But it's... I mean, it's the Lexman effect, oh, isn't it? Like, yeah, it is. It's still, like we're still... Living in the shadow of um, Kolkata 2001. But in that situation where your bowlers have not had to work at all, no. where you've, as I say, you've, like, they over, more than tripled their score. They were very, very close to quadrupling their score. And, like, this workload argument that's being made, oh, to give our bowlers a rest. Well, the next test starts five days later. Do you want to know how you give them a rest? Put your foot on their throat, win the test in four days, and give them an extra day off. Well, the thing that... that, that it's doing my head in. We mean, should that, be 1-0 up in Pakistan say, right mean, now. That argument holds no water with me either for a couple of reasons. If, you, if you're serious about that, how many overs have they bought? 170? 172, 172, it was. Yeah. Now, they've got three pretty decent part-time spinners, you could say, mm. sitting in the team. Yep. How many overs they bought in that second innings? I think you said it was one, wasn't one. it? Yeah. One. Smith doesn't get a bowl anymore. I don't know yeah. why. Yeah. He's a good bowler. He's Especially on wickets that have variable bounce, I'd be throwing the ball to him before Lavashane or Head. Mm. No, I've, look, honestly... No, I, well, I mean, Manus is the only one who bowled an over, and, he bowled, and I think it was mm. like the third or fourth last over of the inning. Yeah. Like, and, I mean, look, there's a lot to unpack here. So... I'm trying to decide where I want to start. I'm going to start with this. Nathan Lyon is the most overrated test cricketer of all time. He has a worse bowling average than Jack Leach. And in tests over the last... So Australia have been in a winning position five times since 2019. Sorry, we've failed to win a match having been in a winning position five times since 2019 where we failed to bowl the opposition out in the fourth innings. So that includes matches like Brisbane, mm. Sydney uh, against India, Headingley, uh, with Ben Stokes, you know, playing a worldie. But he is just useless in the fourth innings. He has a worse test bowling average in the fourth innings than he does in any other innings. And what do you pick a spinner for? It's to bowl teams out in the fourth innings, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I could count probably on one finger the number of times he's bowled 
Australia to victory in the fourth. India year. after Phil Hughes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, and even that, even then, it was a oh, bit of a grind of down thing where yeah, he yeah. Well, wickets late. Um, yeah, but like, yeah. well, they brought up a stat during that last match, which showed like team test sides spin bowling averages in the fourth innings of test matches, and Australia ranked dead last behind Zimbabwe, behind Ireland, behind West Indies. I don't even know who the West Indian spinner is right now, but he's still better than Nathan Lyon in the fourth innings, apparently. Oh, it's doing my head in. Like, I could hack it, perhaps, if he was just another member of the team. But the way he's, like, they've fallen over him, the GOAT references and everything else, he's he's not fit to shine Shane Warne's shoes. Shush, 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 shush. <laughs> um, and he, he's the biggest reason why we are failing to win these matches when we're in winning positions going into the fourth innings. So even more reason to enforce the follow-on. And like everyone was saying, oh, like how brilliantly did Pakistan bat and all the rest. Well, it's like if we enforced the follow-on, they would have effectively been seven for 40-odd at, at the end of the match. So despite these brilliant innings, we would have had... You know, an extra two sessions to bowl them out and then come out and smash through the yeah. runs. Like, I don't understand why we didn't do it. Well, betting, other than the Kolkata factor. I mean, betting to make noisy made no sense. Yes. What, are we no trying sense. to give Kawaja a second century in the match? Yeah, it made no sense. Like, I, I, it, it does my head in. All I can think is that he's a fast bowler and he wants a rest. Can I, can I ask a bigger, broader question with regards to this as well? I wonder why Pakistan haven't built... You know, Bunsen Burners for this series. Mm. Yep. Is it because Yasir Shah is injured? Possibly. Maybe. Seems like, strange, doesn't it? I mean, I mean well, name the two spinners that looked most likely to take wickets in this match. I'll yeah. give you a hint. It was Sajid Khan and um, oh, what's his name? Nah. Yeah. Raman or Naman or something like that. Yeah. I don't even know. Well, the two. <laughs> not, not, I'm not, choking up my own rage here. Not, not, not the two Australians. <laughs> yeah. Series, exactly. But, yes. And then, oh, but this is, and this is, I just keep coming back to this. All I've heard about is, oh, we created a lot of chances and, oh, we dropped a lot of catches and all the rest of it. It's like, but we wouldn't have needed to do any of that if we had just enforced the follow-on. Using one of your favourite phrases, woulda, coulda, shoulda, yeah, didn't. Yeah, And <laughs> it's, as I say, I think I'm more pissed off that there's been absolutely no line of questioning as to why we didn't. Because I'd love to understand it. I'd love to know what the thinking was. But it's almost yeah. just like it's just a given now since 2001 you, that we don't yeah. enforce the follow-on. I, he, oh, I don't get it. Cheek, I, I really cheek, don't get it. Cheeky question. Would Justin Wanger made them, mm. made them force the follow-on? Yeah, exactly. Well, honestly, Andrew McDonald is a fucking stooge. Seriously. He's a yes man. Everything I've read from him this week, there's been... No criticism of a team who have failed to convert a winning position in a test in Southeast Asia into a victory. Like, do you know how rarely these opportunities come around? We don't win in Asia. We just don't. Even Bangladesh tied a series with us last time we were over there. We don't win series in Asia. This was our chance. Oh, it's so, so bitterly disappointing. And Pat Cummins, I'm afraid, like... This is like Lyon missing the run out in Headingley, a reference back to that match. This will I will this is an albatross around your neck forever as far as I'm concerned now, mate. Your papers have been stamped once and for all. 
This was the dumbest captaincy decision I can remember in recent cricket history. Coming back to McDonald and the Langer situation, I mean, how embarrassing was that? I think we, and you know, I mean, we haven't really touched on this in great length. No, I think we've, yeah, we've we've talked about it. There have been emails and, and, yeah. And I think this was the thing. You you made the point when all of this was up in the air that Langer should walk Mm. because if he couldn't do any more than he, you know, if the expectations of what he needed to do. He'd pretty much achieved everything, but, you know, he, he lost... They shifted the goalposts on him, and he still kicked the ball through the new goalposts. Yes, exactly right. I mean, <laughs> the, the only argument that they could have for legitimately getting rid of him is he didn't win the Ashes 5-0, and he he missed out on that by, let's say, 10 minutes, mm. or maybe some bad light. You yeah, make the argument by, one, that, by one session of rain. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean... Uh, look, I, you reap what you sow. Mm, I like to say, and I mean, again, it was Cricket Australia coming out. I would have had more time for them if they had said, "We're not renewing his contract. He's lost the players. We're giving it to someone else." But the mealy-mouthed, oh, "We're offering you a what was it? It was like a six-month. It, it was extension. a six-month extension, wasn't it?" That is basically saying we're going to wait for the results to turn shit again so then the PR spin will be easier yeah. to manage when we give you the arse. It is the, I will say it this way, it is the most gutless way to handle mm. that particular situation. Yeah. There's there's two two legitimately pathways you can take, which is, as you said, you'd show more ticker and more spine if you said, look, sorry, Justin, we need to go in another direction. Mm. Or you say, look, you've done so, you know, we've asked you to change and you've changed and you deserve the opportunity to take us forward as a consequence of that. It's one or the other. And, you know, they chose some, once again, you know, ACB, they chose the third option. And it's so disrespectful to Justin Wanger the way that he got treated. Mm. And look, I'm, I'm the first to go on the record and say, I'm not the biggest fan of Justin Wanger, to be honest. Like, I. I think, again, it's the... I like to keep things proportional when it comes to... Um, Jeez, that's a shock for you. No, I know, but when it comes to the extent to which like people fawn over him, like lauding him yeah. as our greatest ever coach, I mean, basically, all you had to do after Lehman, or Buffhead, as I like to call him, was come in and be a decent bloke and say, cut the shit, boys, we're not doing any of this crap anymore. Mm. And that would have gotten us partway there. So, like, I think I was very surprised when they named the stand at Perth Stadium after him. You know, I think there are far more deserving West Australian cricketers, one of whom has recently passed away. Mm. Um, And I'm, yeah, I'm certainly not a Langer fanboy, but, jeez, he was shafted here big time. Absolutely shafted. Especially as someone who is very, like, has firmly held beliefs and views on way to, ways to approach things. As you know, as someone with Asperger's, I can appreciate how difficult it is to make changes. Well, they asked him to make changes, be more consultative, be less severe in his criticism and in his approach to the players and all that. And he actually did that. He met them halfway. As I say, they shifted the goalposts on him. Yeah. He kicked a goal through them and then they shifted them again. Then they changed like, the sport. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, look, and I think you, you made a, a very, very interesting point about this in one of the discussions we had off mic, which is, Let's not forget that the reason why Langer is there is the reason why Langer basically got shafted. Mm. It's just that the people that were in the positions 
that caused the the issues with Buff and all the like yeah. in South Africa, they were still around. It's still the same yeah. four bowlers. The captain and the vice captain are still in the team. Yep. And they, David Warner, the worst human being to ever wear a baggy green, is still probably running the show behind the scenes, just knowing his personality type. This is the thing. It's like, well, you caused this problem. Mm. He had to come in because of you. Mm. You should actually have to suck it up and show a little bit more yeah. and more. So, I mean, I find it I mean, incredibly mm. fascinating, this this stigma or this belief that kind of happen, that's happened. And, look, Bancroft's touched on this a little bit, that the bowlers knew nothing about this. Mm. I I find that incredibly difficult to believe, and no one's saying anything. Well, they do, and then you know they they have a very very carefully worded Lance Armstrongish letter, mm. which all they do a press conference it, with their it, daughter sitting on their well, lap, or, or makes it you know <laughs> makes it out to believe that they technically haven't done anything wrong. But if you read the language mm. very very carefully, it doesn't necessarily absolve them of any blame. Yeah, yeah look, there's. There's so much to dislike about Cricket Australia. Seriously. They are worse than the AFL. And that is... Like, the AFL set a high bar there. Or a very low bar, depending on which way you want to interpret it. Well, it's a high bar for incompetence. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, I mean, between that and... Look, I have no sympathy for Tim Payne. If if you don't want mental health issues, then don't go sending around unsolicited dick pics. But they did also hang him out to dry. Now, in yeah. that case, the punishment fits the crime a little bit more. But, again, it was, well, shit, we don't have another captain, so we better just sweep this under the rug until it comes out a few years from now, hey? Yeah, we don't have any other options. And yeah. As I said, though, we've got the, I said the other day, we've got the marketing captain right now. Mm. Yeah. No, that's exactly right. And that, and that is why, as I was just saying, there's been no scrutiny, no criticism of him at all. To fail to win from where we were at the end of Pakistan's first innings, to not win the test match from there, is galling. Mm. And, yeah, as you say, like, I, I remember when I sent the email around afterwards, I said, I wonder if a coach with more balls would have insisted that we enforce the follow-on. Oh, absolutely, I think. Mm. Yeah. I think, yeah, I mean, you think about someone like Steve Waugh, Steve Waugh would be, you know, on the throat. Oh, absolutely. I mean, throat. he lost that 2001 test, but, yeah. you, you know, you're forcing them then and, I mean, the point to play was, a worldie. That was, yeah. As I say, the problem is, is that people see the risk, but they don't see the opportunity, and that's a problem, you know, I, I love that's a problem in a lot of things these days. I mean, one of, I didn't really like this quote, but Shane Warne always used to say that the trick to captaincy is doing what you making the opposition do what they don't want to do in terms of bowling decisions, in terms of captaincy, in terms of field placements, in terms of everything. That's what it ultimately boils down to. And I can guarantee Pakistan did not want to bat again when they're 408 runs behind because in their first series hosting Australia in 24 years, they were staring down the barrel of an innings defeat. Yeah, and I mean, just there's the pressure... Yeah, the pressure of it all. And, yeah, and, and as you say, the, the the fact that, look, this is the first time back there for a mm, long, long time for them. Yep. You know, put a little bit of extra and sauce that's, on that's the hot dog. That's what it boils down to. It's the message you're sending. Mm. The message we sent them was, we want to rest our bowlers for the third test here. We want to manage their workloads and the rest. And I mean, if, if you enforce that follow-on, the message you send is, we're going to beat you by an innings here. You've just shat the bed in your first innings. Go and do it again in the second. As you said, the best way to rest the bowlers is to bowl about in 60 overs. Exactly. Even if we do need to come out and make 100 runs in the last innings, I mean, is that what it was, maybe? 
the Warner didn't want to have to chase down a fourth innings total. David Southern Hemisphere Warner, as I now call him, because he shouldn't be picked as soon as the latitude has an N after it rather than an S. Oh, I have so much frustration about this. Like we again, it just for me it comes down to the opportunity to win a Test series in Asia. We don't do it. Well, it's, yeah. I <laughs> have think... we done it since two thousand four? We might, we've no. probably beaten Sri Lanka yeah. since then. But I can, like off the top of my head, I can't remember. Us. I know we lost the last time we went to Sri Lanka. I know we tied with we tied a series with Bangladesh. We don't win series in Asia, and this was a huge chance. And again, the I know I keep harping on about it, but just the, the lack of scrutiny. There's not been one article or you know question from the journos or anything about that going. Why didn't you enforce the follow-on? Or certainly not that I've read, because at, right now as I sit here, I have no idea why we didn't. Other than two thousand and one, Kolkata happened. That's the answer, and I mean, it, you have to recognise that that was just a once in a lifetime oh, inning. Yeah, two. Yeah. <laughs> Two in a lot. Drive it unlaxman, basically. Yeah, well, I mean, I think Laxman in particular yeah. was the one who took it away. Yeah, but I mean, he, he he wouldn't have been. He would have been not out at the end <laughs> in an innings loss if Dravid hadn't batted with him. Yeah. So, yeah, no, not a lot to dislike, and yeah, I really Andrew McDonald and Pat Cummins have both come out of this looking a lot lot worse in in my book. Mm. We shall see. We shall see. They better not, you know, and I, I think the boy torch will come out if they lose the third, particularly if they lose the third and the ball is underperformed. Oh, but can't you, see, can't you see what's going to happen? Now Pakistan will win the toss bat first and rack up 550 in the first innings. Yeah, like that's that, it. That's as sure as and day follows night. Then, that's coming then, now, isn't it? <laughs> well, it's either that or you have a pitch like the Sri Lanka-India one where, you know, you, you would have been more effective with a shovel than a mm. cricket bat. yeah. Let's just give a quick... I don't know if I did this like, but a, a shout-out to Sir Ravindra Jadeja, who managed to, in the first test, managed to take more innings than Sri Lanka... Take more wickets than Sri Lanka did for the entire match and also single-handedly, with 175 not out, outscore the entire Sri Lankan team in their first innings. I believe they made 171 and 173 from memory. So, yeah, nine wickets and a 175 not out. It's well a, played, good sir, not, Sir Ravindra. Not a bad five days in the office, sir. <laughs> yeah, oh, I was probably four, but yeah. <laughs> just yeah. just like the bowlers should have had only four days of work. Yeah. <laughs> Gee, I know this is one thing that we've commented on a lot in the past, but it's it's gotten to the insufferable stage now. Former players as commentators whose sole qualification is I played the game, therefore I can commentate. When Richie Benno first got chosen to head up the Channel 9 commentary team, the first thing he did was went and booked himself into a six-month journalism course because, in his words, just because I played the game doesn't mean I'm qualified to commentate upon it. Where is that attitude today? Fair dinkum. Like... Between Andrew Simons, who is just like, what's his appeal? Other than appealing to the Yabbosian dickheads, he doesn't have a fucking clue. He, he, he seems to, like, revel in the fact that he's a half-wit and blue-collar. That seems to be, and played the game. That's the most important thing. Between him and then any number of AFL commentators, such as, like, I mean, where do we start? Other than Jason Dunstall... 
if you're a former AFL player, it's pretty much guaranteed that you're going to be a shit commentator. Matthew I've Richardson, got, Luke Darshol. Yeah, I've got high hopes for Nathan Buckley to reverse that trend too. He's been very good. When he did the couple of years at Channel 7, like I remember there was that fantastic final where Dennis, even Dennis Cometti, the gold standard of commentary, was more concerned about thanking Nathan Buckley for his time than he was about commenting on the end of the match. But it's just so infuriating. Like, there must be universities out there who are handing out journalism degrees to blokes who actually know how to commentate sporting events rather than having participated in them a decade ago. Yeah, I mean, the Brenton Speeds and the Adam Papaliers mm. of the world yes. really don't get any... Yeah, the Jared Waitleys, all these guys. Um, like Jason... Yeah, um, Jason yeah, Bennett, yeah. Jason Bennett, yeah. 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 The Fender Street. Yeah, 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 that's a bad side, gee. Yeah. Come on, gee. And I'm a huge Jason <laughs> Bennett fan, too. <laughs> yeah, um, what the hell? But I yeah. mean, that makes the point like, for you, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, there are just it, countless commentators, too countless to count, who are out there almost... Almost celebrating their lack of... I mean, Andrew Simons wouldn't have a fucking clue about what's... I will stand here as a... You know, just as a standard pundit. You know, I love cricket. But I will put my... I would bet my life on knowing more about world cricket than Andrew Simons does. Andrew Simons knows what's going on in Australia. And that's it. He didn't have a clue about any of the Pakistani players. Mark Waugh got chosen as a national selector. He doesn't even know that there's Australia outside of the state of New South Wales. You hear him commentating the Sydney Thunder games where he's just sitting there as a fanboy for them and he doesn't even know, like, half of the Perth Scorchers squad. And you just sit there going, this guy used to be a national selector. The fact that you used to play the game does not qualify you to do dick off-field. Honestly. And it is so infuriating that blokes with actual talent, actual ability, and who, as we were saying the other day, enhance your viewing experience. Do you remember when Bill and Tony and Richie and even Chappelle used to be on commentary? The blokes who they'd actually groomed and said, you need to become commentators rather than just former player. Special comments. Putting the special in special comments. Sam boys. Yeah, exactly. Do you remember when you used to sit there going, I'm going to watch a session of cricket now and it will actually be better for the commentators. Now the best you can hope for, unless his name is Ricky Ponting, the best you can hope for is, oh, well, they're not going to detract from my viewing experience. Yeah, it's Ricky Ponting, it's Adam Gilchrist or it's Mute. Yeah. Oh, and Ali Mitchell, who's... Who yeah. sensei? Pro- probably I'll, I'll the talk pro- about it. I'll yeah, yeah, about as exercise. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But, oh, yeah. Like, I, mean, I mean, Ishi's I'm, pretty I'm, good I'm as well. I'm Fox, so, yeah, his voice. Yeah, she's got an amazing voice. Yeah, and she's very knowledgeable as well. Yeah, but I mean, she's also a former player. So yeah, yeah but it's it's this. It's almost like this, it's like a, a an organised um, pension scheme for them. Yeah, it's like oh, once you're done playing, boys, you club. can just yeah. Exactly. Yeah, Luke Hodge is another one. Like, the the rule of thumb I've always used is that you can tell the ones who are good by the ones who don't go to Channel 7, they go to ABC Radio. Because what happens is, like, well, I remember remember saying this to Tim years ago, back in the day, Jared Waitley would say, right, Sydney leading Hawthorne by 12 points at halftime. 
I'm trying to think of another former player who's done it. Like, what's in that? Lauren, Lauren Mitchell, is it? I yeah. think, yeah. Brad Saul and Lauren Mitchell. And he'd throw to them, and they would have to talk for 10 minutes about the game with no graphics, <laughs> no shitty-ass visuals in front of them, no 9360 or whatever the fuck it is that they're trying to force down our throats these days. The stupid little no, camera running no, along... No the, spider cam. Oh, yeah, the stupid little camera running along the boundary line is the yeah. new one they use. Yeah. It's like, here's what it'd look like if you're looking at it from the angles of third man. Or third, as we now have to call it, because we can't use the word man anymore. Never mind that that could be third slip. But... They were the ones who you knew, all right, these guys actually know what they're talking about and have some sort of credibility here. Whereas it's the ones who go straight into Channel 7 who you just know well, they're being picked more because more for name recognition than actual talent or ability or you know knowledge of the game at large rather than just the team that they used to play for. You actually have a bit of a chuckle about this. I'll make two points. Um, the first one is that I actually think that the thing that's really underestimated about radio when you're actually listening to the radio is radio, they're actually willing to let the crowd be part of the, the process. Mm. So, you know, the pauses for effect to take the crowd noises in, all that stuff is actually really, really fascinating mm. when you say The second thing was, um, this is going back a while, there used to be a thing called... Um, I feel revolution or whatever it was. I can't remember what it was. Was this where you could just turn the commentators off? No. Um, they uh, used to do that on Foxtel, but they yeah. don't do that anymore. But there's this thing like AFL Evolution. It was, in I think, in Melbourne. And anyway, um, we, went, we went through this thing, uh, I think it was the 2000, before the 2000. It wasn't the 2005 Grand Final Week. It was another time before that. Anyway, they actually had a thing in there where you could, uh, they put up a piece of, um, film. And I'm really doing this justice at the moment. I don't stammering on every word, but they put up a piece of a film and basically allow you to commentate the thing. And it's you know you commentate the thing for each of your clubs, and they, mm. they just have this random piece of footage and they yeah. show you and you do that. And as a as a laugh, the old man made me go up and do it. And as I, I did it, and they do it, and then they play it back yeah. afterwards. Now, look, I'd neither have a voice for TV or radio or anything like that. Barely have a voice for podcasts. Barely have the face for it. Yeah, well, I certainly have the face for radio. Um, as we said, this will never be a video podcast for a very yeah. good reason. And not just because I like to strut around nude a lot of the time. Yeah, that's quite distressing for everybody, especially me. Um, that's where the towels came from, throwing the towels anyway. at me. Anyway... Uh, I've digressed. Anyway, right. Right, so, so you went I, up and I did the AFL Evolution. I went up and did this, and it was funny. They, they play the thing back, and then there was about 10 people around and going, oh, my God, that's better than the normal commentators <laughs> yeah. do. And I was like, oh, it's terrible. It's I, less I, of a I, ringing endorsement of you and more of a ringing disendorsement for yeah. the for the status I thought, quo. I actually thought I yeah. was terrible. Oh, um, I mean, I, and I, look, I'm the first. I have the most annoying voice in the world. This is This is my cross to bear. I have. Good, well, I think you've got. Sometimes a, I have good points to make, but it's oh, the the voice, the the nasal, <laughs> the high pitched snooty voice. Keep, keep but, in mind that I'm usually the one who's editing a lot of these things, and I think it's much I'm sitting there cringing at every much, word I much, say. No, it's much uh, easier to edit you than it is me. <laughs> let me tell you. Yeah. No, I have the most annoying voice in the world, and as a reason, I would, I would never go into commentary. And I also know this is another bugbear that I could not be impartial when my team is playing. And so much of commentary these days is just 
you use the term fanboyism for whichever team you support or used to play for. I mean, Mark War with the Sydney Thunder is the worst. They've actually started trying to get Adam Gilchrist to be a fanboy for the Perth Scorchers just to offset the fanboyism that's coming from Mark War at the same time. I mean, look, rest in peace, Shane Warne. You were arguably our greatest cricketer not named Don Bradman, but you were a fucking awful commentator. And a huge part of that was that you were just a fanboy for your people and the Victorians. Like and dodgy pizza. Oh, yeah, oh, don't get me. So that is the single worst commentary stint of all time, and it's it's something that you don't appreciate unless you're in our generation and you realise when Bill and Tony used to commentate, the game was so much more eminently watchable for having them call what was happening. If you watched back, like a lot of the swimmers who came through in the late 90s said, the re- like the Kieran Perkins and the Susie O'Neills and the Daniel Kowalskis and all those people, they've actually credited Dennis Cometti's commentary as a big part of the reason that they're still so prominent in, like, the Australia's social consciousness. Mm. Can you... Like, no-one will remember Kyle Chalmers in a few years' time because it was Basil fucking Zemplis who was commentating that. Well, I mean, it's funny, like, I mean, you know, Steve Bradbury's remembered and it was Basil commentating now. Yeah, but it's not because of Basil. Like, Gian Rooney, who they had on commentary, it was just every single question, every single time she did an interview, that entire fucking Beijing Olympics. Yes! Did you know you were going so fast? And then she'd close off every interview with, have fun on the podium. It's like, you are literally just, like, asking three template questions and then saying the same thing every time. Can we not get someone who is qualified and will add to the viewing or listening experience rather than detracting from it? That's all I want. And it's, it's a pipe dream now. You don't get it. In AFL or in, in, um, in cricket. In AFL, when, like, when Bruce and Dennis were at their absolute peak... You knew whatever you were watching, it was going to be so much more enjoyable. These days, as I say, the best you can hope for is someone who won't actually be a detraction, won't be a negative, rather well, than actually getting to have a positive. I actually think that the people who are selling these licenses, i.e., the you know the ACB, the you know the AFL, mm. all these people to the broadcasters, it's like. There's actually a bit of onus on them to do the right thing because it's actually detracting from their product too. And the problem is there's no competition. And there's a I remember a quote. I'm pretty sure it was David Hill who said this. That he basically said that the guy he, who was responsible for cricket yeah, becoming a he thing got, he, when he overtook Fox Sports. <laughs> yeah. The question was asked once of him is why do you think the AFL will never succeed in America? And the first reason that he said was the commentary. Yep, absolutely. And that's on you, Luke Darsol. Like, I know you're not a huge fan, but I actually reckon BT is one of the few guys. And the other, my other rule of thumb is, can you listen to someone be excited about a passage of play and it be a good thing rather than a I bad actually, thing? If we're going to call people out, the, the one who actually frustrates me the most is Dwayne Russell, and I'll explain why. Mm. Dwayne Russell actually knows all the players. Mm. Dwayne Russell He's got actually, all the fundamentals. He has, he <laughs> yeah. has the core cool things, but he has these... 
ridiculous blokey American jargon that he tries to work into every single piece of commentary that he does. It's like Michael Cole commentating the WWE with the oh my and the vintage and a clubbing blow. It's boss time. The big dog. It's it's when you can pay, play Dwayne Obingo and have a card filled out by quarter time. And yeah. and that's like that's one thing I will give BT credit for is that he has some of those things oh. but somehow it's it's not a pain in the ass when you're listening to him do it. Oh, maybe you disagree. I, like I disagree with yeah. BT. I'm not a BT fan. Oh, but to, I mean, put it this way: but who, who else funny. would get the grand it's final these funny. days? Watch, <laughs> if you if you get the chance, and I'm mm. not suggesting do this because it's somewhat torture. If you watch BT from the early 2000s when he was actually on Channel 9 and usually working with Dennis Cometti, mm. it was a very different experience. Yeah. And he was actually okay in those. And I think that this is the problem is, is that for some of these guys, and the challenge I have is that I actually think that it's actually the, bro- it's actually yes. the broadcasters. Yes, yes. These are the KPIs them, they're getting set. It's telling, telling them to dial it up to 11. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. And it's... The problem is the lack of competition because we were talking before they used to have on Foxtel they used to have a Sunday afternoon option where you could turn off the commentary but still listen to the sounds of the game and I don't mean the sounds of the game with the Luke Hodge mic'd up the bitch bitch and all the other horse shit that Channel Seven forced down our throats now it was just just the noise. The ambiance, <laughs> the background noise. So with the crowd, yeah, the the fielders and the batsmen and the bowlers, and and that was it. And the reason that they have to can that is because well, everyone would want to listen to that over the shit that gets forced down our throat from the commentary box. Yeah. As someone once said, what are the KPIs for these blokes when they've got no competition? Well done, Haim. You went a whole season without taking a giant shit in the middle of the commentary box. Here's a pay rise. Yeah. Sorry, Triple H. Haim, Haimo or Hammer. P.S. Thank you, brother, for the gig in the first yeah, place. exactly. Um, Nepotism yeah. 101. I mean, it is funny. And, I mean, you've been with games to me in the past with the AFL as well. For a while there, I actually was... Two games doing... with you, I think, yeah, rather than well, with games. But... Yeah, anyway, whatever. <laughs> English, motherfucker, do you speak it? <laughs> I can count to one, yeah. can you? This will be um, edited out. <laughs> How many goals but... did you kick in the 2006 <laughs> grand final? <laughs> yeah. What are my final moments? Um, but um, the, the thing is, for a while, I actually was not listening to, to broadcast while I was at the game because... Mm. I actually wanted to observe the game and not because the the other thing that frustrates me is the overuse of statistics to make a point. Oh no, it's not to make a point. It's for the sake of having statistics. Well, they use it as the argument for their discussion. <laughs> yeah, and I actually wanted to go to games and watch the game and work out what was happening yeah. for myself and see the influence for myself without being bombarded. And this is the thing: you'd see some of these games. You know, guys would have thirty, thirty-five disposals, but they actually did nothing. Yeah. The Nick Del Santo model. He's another one who's actually really good when he's on ABC Radio. He, yeah, he's another one. And there's there's a handful of them. You probably count them on yeah. one hand. But it's the, was probably the right word. Yeah, yeah. But um, no, look, I just I 
find it really depressing because I love sport. I live for sport. It's been well established. I've got nothing else going on in my life. But there are no... <laughs> That's why you've sat in front of a microphone for 125 yeah. Uh, yeah, episodes. Exactly. <laughs> there are no commentators coming through who the game is richer for having them on commentary. Like the days of having Tony and Richie and Greggy and... Dennis and Bruce, like peak, you know, like 90s Bruce and Sandy Roberts. He's another one. He used to be great. And look, I'll even say, I I actually really, Eddie Maguire, when he's, when he's not calling a game that he's obviously cheering for one team over the other. But he hasn't got money on Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, he's actually very good as well. And we need more of that coming through. Stop trying to force these former players down our throats. We want commentators, not ex-players. Stop putting the special in special comments. Oh, another India review. They just reviewed.